Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Rome Floyd Chamber Show. This is Rome Business Radio. We are broadcasting from the Hardy Realty Studios on Broad Street in downtown Rome, Georgia. I am Roger Manus with Rome Business Radio. I'm Carly Parker with the Rome Floyd Chamber. And today on our podcast, we have Joe Smith, the city clerk. Hi, Joe. Hello. How are you? I'm great. And this is a kind of a continuation of what we've been doing on the, the Rome Floyd Chamber show here. It's kind of a resource series for members and listeners and everybody who wants to learn more yes. about how to conduct it, business. Yes. <laughs> We're trying to make it easier on our listeners' lives if they're wanting to obtain a business license or different need different business resources, how to go about that. Yeah. This this uh, sounds like another opportunity to write the government a check, <laughs> but I digress. Well, that's a great idea because... The, the more information they have, the better it is for them and the easier for everyone. Well, yes. and, and I imagine both of you at the chamber and at your office, y'all probably get phone calls and emails and questions. So like, what are the most common questions that people ask about the process and what they need to do? Well, probably the most common question is, do I need a business license? And if so, how do I get started? Okay. And the answers to those questions are? <laughs> well, anyone located inside the city limits is required to have a business license with a few exceptions. Nonprofits and some 501c3s aren't. But anyone operating within the city who whose business is located within the city has to have a city of Rome business license. Now, to, to contrast that with Floyd County, unincorporated Floyd County doesn't require a business license, <clears throat> or at least for most type businesses. I think they do for alcohol and maybe pawn shops and maybe motor fuels, but the general business located outside the city limits in Floyd County does not have to have a business license. Now, sometimes we have people in the county who, who, although not required to have a business license, will want to get one from us because their supplier or their bank wants them to have one. Okay, so this is incorporated, LLCs, anything anything that's a business entity. Right. Sole proprietorship, partnership, or incorporated. Okay. Uh, what's interesting is Roman Floyd, the governments tend to work so well together across a lot of things, but this is this is sort of clearly distinct, right? It is, and, and business licenses are really used for two sources in the city of Rome. Number one, they are a revenue source. In fact, the, the official name is occupation fee, but also we use those as a way to enforce regulations, zoning regulations probably primarily, but also building, fire, sometimes other regulations if a state certificate is required for that type of business or if food service is involved, have to have a food service permit. So, again, revenue and regulatory. And Carly, what are some of the common questions you guys get at the chamber? When Yeah, so people call us a lot and are like, we don't know how to get started, so who do we call? So which would be you or your um, deputy city clerk, right? Or is there multiple people they could call? Well, all of us in the office are, are knowledgeable and can help someone who comes in. Although we do have someone, a position that is dedicated strictly for business licenses. That's currently held by Lisa Dudley. Lisa's okay. been with us. She was a, a worked in other areas of the city, so she's been in that role for about a year now. Does so a great they job. should contact her then. She's the tip of the spear. Okay, <laughs> the, then she can get you started in that process. That's right. Our, our office is usually step one. Someone comes in. Here's what I have in mind. Do I need a license? If so, well, let's get started, and, and we'll start then with an application. And usually, the first step after that is to go to the planning department to make sure their use is allowed and their zone where they're going to be located. When you say their use, what does that mean? Uh, the type of business they're going okay. to start, whether it's a doctor's office or a auto body repair. So before a license can be granted, you have to check with the planning commission to make sure that whatever neighborhood they're going to be in, it's allowable. Correct. 
Okay. Right. Then after that, she usually building inspector will come out to make sure the building is up to code. The fire marshal will come out and make sure all the fire regulations are in place. And then sometimes, uh, depending on type of business, even the traffic engineer is involved, if it's an alcohol establishment, for example. Okay, um, which takes us down its own road. That's, is, that a, is that a unique subset, the alcohol and restaurants, and what, what are the extra hurdles there? It is. It is. Just take a restaurant, for example. They're going to get that business license like any other place. And then beyond that, if they want to add alcohol, then they enter the alcohol arena. If they're going to have a beer, wine, and liquor pouring license, then they'll make application to our Alcohol Control Commission. And Alcohol Control Commission, real quickly, it is a citizens-based committee. Five citizens are appointed. One city commissioner sets in as an ex officio member, but those five citizens, they're here, they'll listen to the, to the applicant, they'll review the file, and they'll make a recommendation on whether or not to grant the license. And, and they always do grant the license, uh, provided that all the, the city requirements have been met. Then if there's some problem down the road later, some type of violation, then the Alcohol Control Commission really comes into play, uh, sort of being the, the judge on what, if any, punishment should take place as a result of the alleged alcohol violation. So in your position, do you oversee all of this? What, what all do you oversee? <laughs> Well, as city, sees a lot. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you, you, you got a big title. Well, as city clerk, I do get to work in a lot of different areas, but I serve as, as a secretary of the city commission, but also the alcohol control commission. So, yes, all those alcohol-related issues flow through our office. Okay, so let's talk cost okay. uh, of licenses. How is is that, you know, when you start, is everything the same, or is it based on revenues? How do you, how do you determine what the fee is? Yeah, good question. Well, uh, uh Normal business license, there's four things to consider as far as fees. Uh, first, we determine what profit class that type of business is in. There, there's six profit classes uh, with the concept being the higher the profit potential per dollar of investment changes your class. Most businesses are in what we call profit class one or two, and it's almost a pyramid-shaped structure. At the top, profit class six, there's not many type businesses that fall into that category. Well, like what would be an example of a profit six type of business? Because uh, I want to go into that if it's the bigger profit. <laughs> a good example would be a financial consultant. Okay. <laughs> but the idea being there's not a lot of capital investment. But most businesses fall into category one or two. So, so first, we, we find out what category they're in. And then there's a registration fee that applies to all business licenses. And then from there, there's a component determined by the gross receipts or the anticipated gross receipts of the business. And then finally, the number of workers involved with the business. Okay, so somebody walks in off the street and you're they're starting a new business. They don't know what their receipts are going to be. How did, did they just guesstimate year one? or They do. We ask them to estimate what, and we encourage them to be conservative, but to estimate what their gross revenue will be for that year. Then in year two, when they come in to renew, they've got hard data to go on. Okay. And in all subsequent years, we'll ask for the specific gross receipts that were generated from the prior year when you renew for this year. And that's one of the few pieces of information that we have that are not uh, subject to the open records request. That data is strictly confidential, and we do not share that with with anyone. But the licensee is required to give it to your office so that the fee can be determined. That's correct. But it's it's top secret. No competitor can find out who what so-and-so is grossing in their dress shop versus my dress shop. Correct. Okay. Uh, that's good to know. <laughs> what I'm, I'm interested in that you said the six profit areas. Um, I mean, is is that based on n- numbers of revenue or is it based on types of businesses? 
uh, you know, if some are more profit oriented, you said like financial consulting tends to be a higher profit, but it's not based on genres. It's based on dollars, these six levels, correct? Well, it, or it just happens to match genres. Yeah, it's the standard industrial classification. It's sort of a nationwide system. Okay. But uh, the, with the concept being that the higher the profit potential per dollar investment, that's that's where de- you determine your position. Okay, so like retail restaurants, are they? You said most are one and two. They're going to be probably a two. Okay. Yep. Um, be, being and one being the lowest uh, rates, six being the highest rate. So so most businesses fall into category one or two, and have the the lower rates calculation rates applicable to them do people have to make like appointments or can y'all take walk-ins like if someone did have all these questions to kind of go through this process with you no walk-ins are fine okay Anytime, no appointment necessary if it's going to be an alcohol license we do ask that you give us a heads up that takes a little time usually 30 minutes to, to go through all the processes and just answer their questions so but otherwise no just drop in call no appointment needed are there any Food sales requirement with alcohol to uh, there. I mean, maybe I'm making this up, but I remember years ago for for somebody to get a license, they had to sell X number of dollars of food and X number of dollars in alcohol. Or is that still the thing? Or well, it is to a degree. Okay. Yes. Uh, all pouring establishments uh, are not subject to a food drink ratio, as it's called. Okay. Only those that sell distilled spirits. So if they're pouring liquor then they have to basically, for every dollar of liquor sales, there has to be a corresponding dollar of food sales. Right. Beer and wine are not in the equation. Okay. So we look at this on a monthly basis. Each month, if you have this liquor pouring license, you have to send a report in because there is a mixed drink tax. Been in effect forever. 3% of all liquor sales, that's a 3% tax on all liquor sales. So when, when that report and payment is sent in each month, we also ask them to report their food sales. So we keep up with their food drink ratio on a monthly basis. And if there's a problem, then the Alcohol Control Commission will address it. Uh, otherwise, and, so, uh, and step it, in and say, you need to be selling more food. That's right. <laughs> uh, so I have a question because I think we get calls about this at the chamber. Um, well, I know we get calls about it. Is how do they keep up with their food sales? Is that just at the end of the night, just seeing how much they sold in food, receipts? What does that look like for a business owner in sure. that area? Well, whether they are are pulling their internal reports daily or weekly or even monthly, they should be doing that. Yeah. I, I, I yeah some people maybe <laughs> I don't. Keep, want to keep track of how much I'm making and spending, yes. <laughs> but we also ask them, uh, especially if, if there's a, a restaurant that is, is questionable whether or not they're meeting the ratio, we also ask them to keep up with evidence of where they've purchased food, invoices, receipts, whatever, and, uh, and we'll ask for those if we think there's a reason to audit the business. Okay. And then kind of going off of like maybe a retail store that is selling wine or beer, is that different than actually pouring it? Well, it's different to the extent a food drink ratio does not apply, but it's similar in the way the licenses are acquired. Okay. The application process going before the Alcohol Control Commission. We have many, many places in town that sell beer package. Yeah, so they're not pouring. That's right. They're not pouring. Yeah. Convenience stores, grocery stores, Walmart, and some of those places sell wine as well. But beer and wine package are sort of in the same category, same bucket, so to speak. Uh, a lot of places have those licenses. That's the simplest license that we sell as far as alcohol goes. Liquor package or liquor stores, there's probably a dozen in town, just guessing off the top of my head. 
And uh, again, the same process for them. The state plays a bigger role in liquor package. The state is very uh, specific on what a liquor store can and can't sell. That's why you don't see liquor sold at drug stores or grocery stores. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the license fee for a liquor package license is more. We've been at the state maximum of $5,000 for decades. Well, that was another question I had costs. So somebody starting a business. And they walk in off the street to your office and they say, I'm opening up a shop on Broad Street to sell widgets or whatever. Right. <laughs> and uh, you're asking them to guesstimate their first year sales and say, they say, we're going to, we're going to do a hundred thousand dollars gross. Uh, like how to, what are the fees? What are the potential fees? Okay. Um, hundred thousand dollar gross and three employees. Okay. You need a number of employees too. Yes. That's right. Yes. Okay. Or, or workers. $100,000 gross and three employees in rent, well, they're probably uh, going to lose uh, money. Yeah. Maybe one worker. <laughs> I, picked a, I picked a bad number. Maybe a half a million dollars gross. <laughs> so, again, we'll, we'll put them in their category, their standard industrial classification category. We'll take their estimated gross sales and number of workers and apply those two pieces of information to the formula. Okay. And then add the $65 registration fee to come up with their number. Okay. And let's say that number's $150. Okay. For example. Now, it's probably worth pointing out, since you use Broad Street as an example, there's an extra tax on, in the Broad Street area, the downtown area, called the Business Improvement District, kind of a self-imposed tax that these property owners and business owners have placed on themselves. So there's a surcharge on the business license in the bid, just like there's a surcharge on the property taxes in the bid. Okay, so that's unique to this area. That's unique. Does, does that, is that what, do you charge that as part of the license, and then or is that it's, a... Okay. We charge that, and then that money, uh, our finance department breaks that out, and it goes to the bid uses that, that the Downtown Development Authority works with. Okay, but just, just kind of run the gamut. Like, what's the lowest possible business license per year and the highest maximum that somebody in Rome pays without telling us the, the <laughs> you know, does it go from 100 bucks to, uh, you know, half a million? <laughs> well, it would go from around $100 to, uh, to, to much higher for, some, for a business that has a lot of workers sure. and a lot of gross receipts, uh, maybe uh, something in the healthcare industry. Sure. Uh, but, but what does that max out? Do we, or, or is there a ballpark? Or? There's not a max out on yeah. that. It's a regressive formula. So you know, as, the, as the sales and the number of employees crease, increases, the rate per is getting less and less. Yeah. What's, one of the things we, we learn on this, this podcast series talking local business is – you know, a lot of entrepreneurs start start up, and they've got an idea. They've got a passion for whatever it is, you know, uh, a dress shop or what have you. And then they, oh my gosh, they, I've got a power bill to pay. I've got a, you know, they anticipate rent, but business licenses got to be paid. Yep. Uh, and uh, but are there? I wouldn't call that a hidden cost because people should know that on the way in, but. Uh, what advice would you give to people as they're getting ready to launch business as far as anticipating what other things they might have to experience regarding fees and licenses with the city? And- right. Well, any potential business owner is probably going to step back and try to take a look at the big picture as clearly as they can see it at that time. But regarding local fees or taxes, of course, there is a business license we're talking about. Uh, there will probably also be a subsequent personal property tax bill on their business equipment business equipment and inventory, and that's handled through the Floyd County Tax Assessor, and they would receive a property tax bill like that, like they would for their home. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there were going to be construction or, or build out or alterations to the building they're going to be in, there's going to be a building permit fee uh, that, that maybe their contractor will get, but ultimately they'll be the one paying it. How have things changed? Uh, well, it was, it was kind of going on before COVID because of technology, but lots of people now kind of, they're, they're downsizing. If they're in a business where they don't need a, they don't need a, uh, you know, a retail location or what have you, and they right. can just work out of their house. Does that affect their formula with you at all or not? Because yours is gross revenue employees. Right. It does not affect their formula. It makes things easier for them since they aren't having to worry about the building inspector and the fire marshal and the planning commission primarily. But they need to keep in mind there are restrictions on home-based businesses. They can occur, but there are restrictions, uh, probably one worth noting, uh, Retail sales, for example, cannot take place at your home in a residential area. You can't have customers coming to your house, that type of thing. But they, can, but they can do online. They can. Yeah. They can. So, so they, yeah, they could run a, you know, almost like an eBay business where people are buying stuff that they ship to them from their house. We have a lot of contractors that work from their home. Plumbers, electricians. And they all still get business licenses. If, if they're located and, inside and, the city. Yeah, in the city. And it's probably worth pointing out uh, that, that same contractor, that same electrician who, who lives in Lindale or Shannon, although they come into the city of Rome to do work, their business located is, is being located outside the city. A business license is not required. Uh, that was not always the case, but the state law changed uh, on that issue many years ago. So that, that was good for the contractor. That way they only had to get one business license versus getting a business license in every town they're working in. So do people get confused about the state licenses that they need to get with you guys? Uh, there's sometimes some discussion, maybe a little confusion on that. Uh, the state is going to require license and registrations for certain things, professions, doctors, lawyers, architects. So some folks in the uh, cosmetology industry uh, and, and alcohol. But, you know, the dress shop example, they're not going to eat anything from the state. Most okay. retail businesses don't. Well, we were chatting before the show. What What is your background? Uh, you said you're from Lindale. And, I am. And, I, I would say I'm a product of the uh, local community. I uh, went to school in Lindale, graduated from Pepperell, then uh, what used to be Floyd Junior College, now Highlands, there, and in, in Shorter College. <laughs> and actually, uh, I went back to Barry for an MBA under the city's tuition program after I came to work for the city many years ago. All right. So I was going to say, when did what, what has your city career been like? What, what various positions have you held? Well, only two. I came to work for the city as the deputy city clerk, and two and a half years later, I became the city clerk. Uh, and how long have you been in that position? Uh, I've been city clerk since June of 1990, so uh, soon to be 33 years. <laughs> wow. Uh, my predecessor, uh, Branson Gaylor, who's still with us, uh, he hired me and trained me, and things have been good. It's not a career that I planned for or, or anticipated, but it's one that happened, and it's certainly suited me well. I was going to say, what do, you, what do you enjoy most about it every day? The variety. Uh, I don't think I'd enjoy being in the finance department. You know, confined to one use, one location, but uh, just a variety uh, of my job. It's it's a lot of, of people interaction, a lot of financial issues. Uh, get to uh, oversee some facilities, our auditorium, civic center, Stonebridge Golf Course, so a municipal court. So just it's a pretty big umbrella. But uh, got a great staff and uh, 
things ready to run smoothly. Well, I was going to say, as the tip of the spear in dealing with citizens, I would imagine there's also some frustration every now and then. Somebody's probably a little ticked off about something. <laughs> I think that's in all careers, though. So, <laughs> how, how, how do we handle that? Well, surprisingly few. Yeah. Most people that come in, uh, they come in with a question, they've got a problem, and, and I think in just about every case, they leave the office happier and more satisfied than they came in. So, uh, I I think we're lucky in that regard, but it usually goes very well. Well, have you, have, were you, were you, was it a job that just kind of opened up to you or were you kind of called to, to public service? No, it was just a job that opened up and uh, I wasn't sure where the city clerk's office even was. <laughs> but uh, a, a friend of mine who was in government told me about the position and ended up interviewing and Mr. Gaylor and I just hit it off and John Bennett was kind enough to hire me. And for those who don't know, where is the city clerk's office? <laughs> do you know where it is now? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. Uh, uh, in, in our great city auditorium, City Hall at 601 Broad Street. <laughs> <laughs> well, and another impressive thing about your career is, I, as I recall from chatting before the show, you used to work for Big Star, uh, the grocery chain. <laughs> My only other career path was in high school and college in the grocery store. <laughs> and, uh, and doing what task? And uh, everything. <laughs> Bag of grocery stock of shelves. Uh, I could cut a little, trim a little meat, uh, work produce a lot, did the bookkeeping. So it, it was a great training ground. That's a, I, I can think of no better place to learn good customer service than a grocery store. Oh, that's actually a good point. <laughs> yeah, that's, one of the interesting things that I, we stumble across on this show is people's backgrounds and how they kind of end up in their careers. In case anybody listening might think, oh, that's an interesting, how did, it, you know, how did that person chart their career? Um, I, I once had, was given some advice years ago about, um, that I subsequently have passed on to younger people. Like if you, if there's something you're interested in being, look at somebody who's already there and, and then research their path Yeah, because, because most of the time the path has been, is shown to you. Um, you know, if you want to be a, you know, pro football coach, they probably were, (laughs) they probably played college football somewhere, you know, and worked their way up. So, um, anyway, I digress with that. Um, so are, are there certain times of year better for businesses to come see you to, or does it matter at all? You know, so, cause sometimes when you're working with a financial calendar of taxes and things like that, but when somebody opens up, they need to come get their license, right? They do. They do. And the time of year is probably unimportant. Now our licenses do expire on a calendar basis. Uh, Based on when they first apply or January 1? Yeah, January 1. Okay. But uh, good point because we give a a long grace period. Since we are asking for gross receipts, especially some of the larger businesses, it may be near the end of the first quarter before they have all their year-end numbers. So uh, the actual drop-dead renewal time without a penalty is April 30th each year. Okay. So a long grace period. Now, that does not apply to alcohol license since we're not asking for any gross receipts information uh, all alcohol licenses do have to be renewed by January 1st. What if they're way off in their first year expectations because they've opened up and they gave you a figure of a half million dollars gross and they did a million? Do they owe a, a back fee for that or is it just going to get factored in moving forward? We just want them to, to say, great for you. You're doing better than you expected and we'll get accurate information moving forward. Okay, so there's no... I believe the state law probably allows that, but, but yeah. we have not in the past. Now, if someone overestimates, then and we certainly don't want to overcharge them. And if they did, then we would happily refund you know, what the difference would be on their actual numbers versus their anticipated numbers. Or maybe roll it into the next year or, yeah, yeah. F- figure out a way to work with them. Yep. Okay, that's interesting. Um, 
So what any other unusual questions that you maybe get from time to time or? Well, I don't know. Did we talk about the actual price of obtaining an alcohol license for beer and wine and liquor? Because we do get those questions at the chamber a lot. Okay. The per, price per pour? Uh, I, or just like, I guess it's just beer and wine and then liquor, yeah. right? Well, let's look at it maybe from the package versus pouring. Okay. Package is pretty straightforward. Beer package is $1,500 a year. Wine package is $2,000 a year. And liquor, again, we're at the, have been and continue to be at the state maximum of $5,000 per year. Okay. Regardless of gross or is that the max for it? That's regardless of gross. Okay. This is just this is just standard, right? If somebody's if somebody's going to sell beer at their convenience store, boom, they get hit with that that hard cost, that fee. Right. And okay. you, you take a uh, a uh, a CVS that may sell wine, they're not selling nearly as much wine as a Kroger or Walmart. So Kroger and Walmart, they're getting more bang for your buck. For that license fee. But that fee is flat. That fee is, that fee is flat. <laughs> Un- unlike our business license. Sure. That's why our business license formula is somewhat complicated. The idea being, be as fair as possible. Okay. Yeah. Now, on the pouring side, beer and wine are a fixed amount. They're 1500 for beer, 1500 for wine. Liquor is a variable amount. And that is $2,500 per year plus $2.34 per liter. Per liter of alcohol. And we get that information from the wholesale distributors each month. Each month, the wholesale distributors submit a report, and and there's a tax on all the liquor and beer and wine delivered to our city. But along with that payment, they also tell us how much product was delivered at each establishment. Okay, so the establishments aren't having to track how much they pour. You know how much is going into that building every, every month. That's right. That's right. Now, you may ask, well, what about someone who's just opening? For a, a liquor a pouring establishment that just opens, that fee is flat, $4,000 per year for the first year. Then they're on the volume system year two going forward. And so is that like a monthly or quarterly or how does that work for the going on like past, you know, year one? Yes. Uh, as far as how determining yes, how the much vol- they owe, Yeah, the volume. Yes. Again, we take those wholesalers reports. And since we bill in, in late November, it's usually the October 1 through September 30th period is a 12-month period that we look at when determining their volume. Got so, it. So, and you send them a bill. Send them a bill. And they don't show up at your office and say, what are, you send them a bill. It just becomes another payable to them. Yep. Okay. Uh, why the difference in, in the pouring side, beer and wine, flat fee, but charging by the leader on the on the liquor side what, what's this what's the thinking there well the thinking there by the city commission years ago was just trying to be more equitable uh, uh, a red lobster for example with a service bar versus uh, a metal mushroom so it's not quite fair to charge those the same even I, though we do on beer and wine yeah but on liquor at least there's a volume system trying to be more fair on that now the uh, the liquor pouring does have a cap it maxes out at five thousand dollars also it does max out. It okay. Yep. Um, and it's interesting y'all do it by the liter, uh, not by the gallon. So y'all switch to the metric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it is, it's, it's funny, Carly, you're too young to remember this. Another age show. But back, back in elementary school, they tried to switch my generation to the metric system. We were learning the metric system. And, you know, the only thing it really took was in like two liter bottles of Coca-Cola. You know, everything else is still the gallon. And, and we still play football trying to, get, trying to get, you know, a yard as opposed to a meter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just didn't take here. Yep. Uh, so it's interesting that y'all charge by the leader. And wh- how was that? Two, was it two thirty four? 
per liter? 234. And that's just, does that change every year when? Well, it started probably at $2 a liter yeah. and just, you know, 3% increase, 5% increase. Yeah, just, but finally, they just said no. And they have not, the city commission has not changed that rate in, in several years. So it's kind of been locked in for quite a while now. Okay. And on the county side, of course, that doesn't affect you. You're not really worried about it. But what what are what are what's done with liquor out there? Well, there's no liquor in the county. Oh, duh. So they have they have beer and wine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but they do not have have liquor. Yeah, I knew that. Um, I don't. But but so beer and wine is it a flat fee there? That I believe it is. I uh, can't quote you those numbers. Yeah. It's my understanding it is a flat fee. There. Okay, because that's separate and distinct. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's probably worth noting while we're talking about alcohol. This comes up regularly. Some place that has a pouring license. They're allowed to get a temporary permit to sell away from their place of business. Okay. Uh, good example. So they can be vendors, right, at like uh, the DDA First Fridays. That's right. Uh, good example may be uh, a wedding. The Rome River Jam, for yeah. example, at the fairgrounds. Obviously, alcohol was sold up there. There's not a license on site permanently, but someone who has a, a license at their restaurant or bar can get a permit from the city and the state to sell away from their place of business on this specific day at this specific location. So they have to be aware of that. Is that, is that an extra cost to get the permit or is it just something they're allowed to do because they already have a license? There is a fee for that. It's yeah. just fairly modest. Sure. And, and there's three, there's three categories depending on how large the event is. The Rome river jam example I gave is, is a big event. It's, it's somewhere that uh, they expect a crowd of more than 500. So they would pay 250 for beer, 250 for wine or 500 for liquor. Right. But somebody can't just, do one of these things and think, oh, I'll, I'll get to pour the one day. No, you already have to have a pre-existing license and then get a permit for the one-time off thing. That is correct. The only exception to that is if you're a 501c3 nonprofit organization, the state and the city of Rome allow you to also get a one-day license. What about if you're a, what about if you're a for-profit business, but you're losing money, so you're really non-profit? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> so they're trying to be profitable, yeah. but you know it's just not working out. Um, any any final thoughts here, or anything we want to make sure we touch on, Carly, from the chamber's perspective? Um, yeah. I think one last question is: I know you're not in charge of building permits, but is there anyone that you would direct these uh, businesses to who has questions about? building permits you know they come into the building right. your building to get a business license and then they might ask you you know okay well what's next and you said the building permits they have to check out all that so who would be the best person to okay. kind of contact for them yeah well you're right people do come into city hall regularly looking for the building permit office and luckily it's right next door between city hall and the chamber office at the old carnegie library 607 broad street but that's where that person would go uh, on the main floor at the rear of the building is a building inspection department. Several folks work there. James Martin is the chief building official. And by the way, they cover both the city and the county. And uh, so James and his staff could answer any and all questions regarding building permits, how to get one, the price. So that's one of the areas where the city and county are working together. It is. Yeah. Several of those, and, and that's a good example. And okay. then are there any other questions that y'all get all the time that you are like, I wish everyone would know about this? Uh, you know, I think that, that most folks come in and ask. I think generally speaking, people know if they're in business, they've got to have a license or should have. So so most folks know to come in and ask. 
And uh, so we we luckily do not spend a lot of time uh, looking for people out there who are operating without a license. Sometimes it happens, but, but it's not that common. Uh, I mean, even the small contractor, someone who's cutting grass or or something along those lines, grassroots business licenses typically come in and ask. Okay. Interesting. Final thoughts, Carly? No, I think that's it. I think y'all covered a wide range of questions <laughs> that we get all the time about how to you know obtain a business license, how, to, how does that process start, and where to go. So we appreciate you being on today. Well, glad to be here. Just everyone should know the city clerk and all the city of Rome employees are there. To, we're here to serve the public and glad to do that every day. So we welcome their input and their questions. All right, so so contact information like street address again to come in. Is there a phone number or a website? What, what what's the first point of contact for you? Street address six hundred one Broad Street, City Hall, City Auditorium. Uh, mailing address PO Box fourteen thirty three. Uh, phone number seven zero six two three six forty four sixty, and the city website uh, Rome GA. Okay. Dot com dot gov. <laughs> I think it because I think we have RomeGA.com. I believe we're .gov. Yeah, I think y'all are .gov. <laughs> okay, Carly, contact information for you, the chamber. The chamber's website is RomeGA.com, <laughs> and you can always uh, go to our website, find our contact information. But my email is kparker at RomeGA.com if you have any questions. Oh, well, this has been interesting. I thought, you know, honestly, I thought this might be a little dry. When, when we because it's business licenses, <laughs> yeah. but it was very interesting and very informative, and uh, so thanks for thanks for sharing all that. And of course, it wasn't dry because we were talking about beer sales. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for the invitation. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, you've been listening to the Rome the Rome Floyd Chamber Show here on Rome Business Radio. We broadcast from the Hardy Realty Studios in downtown Rome. I'm Roger Manus. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>